We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am Nick Whalen, joined by the great Dan Titus from Yahoo. Uh, Dan, you, you've joined us on the pod before. Uh, you stopped by the, the Rotowire XM show as well. Uh, we hope to kind of make you a more regular guest in both of these as we near uh, the start of the NBA season. I was just telling you off air, I, I know you're, you do a lot of football content, as I do for Rotowire. I cannot believe that we are three weeks out from the NBA season. Like with, with the NFL, there are, there are kind of these like signposts throughout the year. You know, the preseason feels like it takes forever. In the NBA, to me, it's the complete opposite. Like, training camp arrives. Media days are happening right now. The preseason, you know, is basically three or four games long at this point. It starts later this week. And all of a sudden, opening night's going to be here in no time. So I know you've been you know, in the trenches preparing at Yahoo for a long time. Appreciate you stopping by the pod. Very, uh, very much looking forward to digging in uh, on the big trades that we've had in the past week, on some guards that you view as breakout candidates. But first and foremost, welcome back to the pod. Thanks, Nick. And it's always great to talk to you, man. Great partner over here at Rotowire. And um, obviously, we collaborate a lot just because mm-hmm. there's you guys feed a lot of our projections on Yahoo and um, just an awesome, awesome team you guys have. So shout out to Ken. He uh, he beat me in the league <laughs> last year and I'm still a little bitter about it. And um, congrats to him for also getting oh, basketball writer of the year. Um but uh, yeah, man, I'll tell you what, like, as I've been doing more football content, it was a rude awakening when, you know, the Woj bomb dropped of Damian Lillard being traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And that was like, kind of like, oh, man, it, that's where you switch it. It's like we're, we're that close to basketball season. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, just over the last couple of weeks, I think I've really been, you know, head down trying to get back into my rankings and doing some of my analysis and mm-hmm. You know, now with the media day happening today and then training camp starting tomorrow, this is where it's going to get good. Yeah, no question about that. And the, the Lillard thing, it's strange because you know we've been watching out for this since what? 
May, June, essentially the day after the NBA finals ended, you, you, you're kind of just waiting for that Woj alert to come. And every single time in these situations, it like, it's never been at a time that I expect. Like this was what, one o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. We, we all of a sudden, Damian Lillard is traded. Random. And not only is he traded, but he's not traded to the team that we thought he would be traded to for the last three months. He goes to Milwaukee. You know, that sets off this chain reaction. And, you know, I don't think the dust has even fully settled because I, I don't think Malcolm Brogdon is hanging around with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I saw a tweet today that he's choosing number 92. Uh, that, that that to me signals that he's in like his Baron Davis Cavaliers era, uh, which is usually not a good sign. When, when players like that start choosing like random numbers, that means they're probably not going to be there very long. So I, I don't even think we've seen the end of this trade for Portland. Um, we'll, we'll dive into all aspects of this fantasy and non-fantasy, but uh, let, let's kind of you know start with what we know more, most recently, and then we'll back up you know to the Lillard and, and the holiday aspects here. I do want to start with Portland. Everybody's talking about Boston and Milwaukee and we'll get to Phoenix as well. I don't know what they're doing here. Um, but do you think Rob Williams stays on this roster? Like I said, I think Brogdon's gone, but Williams to me, like the inclusion of him for a number of reasons, his age, the contract, the injuries, like to, to me, I, I really don't know how Portland views him as an asset. Yeah. At this point, you know, I was the only person I was assuming that was going to be dealt was Malcolm Brogdon. I, I think Robert Williams over the course of his career, obviously has battled injuries, from a fancy perspective, you know, always great on a per game basis, but you know, availability is also a stat too. And he hasn't been able mm -hmm. to live up to his expectations there. So I think that this is actually a really good low risk move for the Portland trailblazers that they're trying to rebuild their franchise. That's a really good front court. When you have a rim protector like Robert Williams, who arguably won't play a heavy dose of minutes for his entire career. Like I think it's pretty clear. Right. This guy can't play 30 minutes a night for the entirety of the season. So if you're looking at him as a backup point, a backup center um, to DeAndre Ayton, who by all accounts, I mean, I don't know how much you you uh, take into the uh, the comments of media day, but it's dominating season again. Um, <laughs> I, I so to me, to me, Dan, those comments were basically him saying like, "I'm going to start trying now." Right. Yeah, Which I was like, is all right, man. Like, great. He's, yeah, you know, he's a good fantasy player when even when he's not really trying, he's a top fifty guy. So. Um, I think this is just, you know, Andre uh, DeAndre Ayton insurance, perhaps. And I mm -hmm. think he will stay with Portland. Um, I think it really sets the tone of, hey, we're going to rebuild this thing. We have a couple of strong assets that we think we can cultivate a winning culture around. And I think it's really around, mm -hmm. around leaning into those young guards, Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons. And then you have these two big men that can obviously hold it down in the front court. And I think it's mm -hmm. a huge difference, stark difference from where we were at a year ago and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised, you know, if, if one player is going to be on the move in Portland, I think it's probably Jeremy Grant more so than Robert Williams. Yeah, we'll get to Jeremy Grant. Uh, you know, I wrote a piece that I believe went to Yahoo last week about, you know, some some undervalued players, some overvalued players. And he's been he's been somebody I've been grabbing in a ton of mock drafts, a ton of early drafts, because before this trade, I, I thought he was going to be the number one guy. And you know, obviously we can. We know Anthony Simons is going to be in the mix. We know Scoot Henderson eventually, you know, once he settles in, is going to be in the mix as well. But just by by default, being the veteran uh, on this team and somebody who's kind of been in this role before, like two years ago, you know, he was in a similar situation in Detroit where he just kind of found himself as the best player on that team and had the best fantasy season of his career. But yeah, now you bring in two more big men, uh, you bring in more depth to this team. I mean, I don't think Portland's going to be very good ultimately. Uh, but I, I also think this roster is in a, a really good position now. You, you kind of replenish all the draft capital. You still have most of your own draft capital uh, going forward. I mean, to me, this series of deals, and you know, again, we'll see what they turn Malcolm Brogdon into. Uh, we'll, we'll see if they ultimately flip one of those big men down the road. I, I think this is a home run deal 
for Portland, given the circumstances, given where they were a week ago, thinking that they were essentially going to be like cajoled into trading Damian Lillard for 80 cents on the dollar to the Miami Heat. Like, I actually think Tyler Hero comes out of all this uh, kind of a winner. Like, it feels like he got dragged through the mud. Everybody's saying, oh, he's not that yeah. good of an asset. I think it was just bad luck for the Heat that the Portland Trailblazers happened to have Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, Scoot Henderson on this roster. If they had three great young wings or young big men, I think they would have been happy to bring in Tyler Hero. It's just the way that this roster was constructed, that never made mm-hmm. sense. Portland now, I mean, they're going to be able to, to kind of spin off three or four trades out of the Damian Lillard trade. Like the, the amount of total assets they're going to reap from this, I think is so much better than if it had just been a one-to-one deal with Miami. Totally agree. And, you know, I think it's it's really, I was surprised about how much they got in Drew Holiday um, and for the assets they got for yeah. him. They got two future firsts and they got players along with it. So it's like, at this point, Miami, they have no depth. So from a fancy perspective, from a fancy perspective, I'm like Tyler Hero actually looks like a pretty good player right now because he's going to play a lot of minutes. They don't have a lot of yep. a lot of people in that backcourt now because they were really, you know, mortgaging their future on trying to acquire Damian Lillard. And now that they failed, um, I'm really impressed with what Portland did. And I think that there's a very bright path here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I've actually moved up Anthony Simons in my rankings. Just a lot of the talk around. Uh, what he's going to be doing. Um, he's probably going to be their leading score now, especially if if Jeremy Grant might be on the de- uh, might be on the trade mm-hmm. block by January 15th, because that's when he's eligible to be traded. Um, I think that this is actually a pretty positive development here. And I'm glad that it happened before the season started, because it would have been such a headache having to mm-hmm. think about Damian Lillard's situation potentially turn into not quite the Harden extent, because Harden's like not even reporting and it sounded like Damian was cool with at least mm-hmm. playing out his contract and being that loyal, um, that loyal player that he's been his entire career. But um, I think that there is some fantasy value to extract from Portland this year. And Shaden Sharp is a person that I'm also looking at late mm-hmm. in drafts. Matisse Thibel, I think has a good chance to start just because of his athleticism and his tenacity on defense and his three point shot really developed in Portland last season when he's actually mm-hmm. able to shoot um, a far cry from where he was in Philadelphia. So um, I think there's some sneaky potential here on this Portland Trailblazers team that probably won't be great, but that doesn't matter for mm-hmm. fantasy. As long as they're getting minutes and they have an opportunity to play, that's someone that I want to target. Yeah, I love Simons. I think especially early in the year, you know, well, Henderson is probably still figures, figuring things out, still having sure. some up and down games. Like, I mean, he's going to eat big time early on. I, I don't think people realize, like, you know, he's been almost a 90% free throw shooter and, you know, basically over a 40% three-point shooter on aggregate for the last two and a half, three seasons. And, you know, his minutes were, were a little bit down if you look back two or three years ago. But uh, I, I think it's just kind of a classic, like, bad team, good stats situation. Like, I, mm-hmm. I still think Portland's probably a bottom three team in the West. Oh, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think if we're talking, you know, five years from now, they're, they're in a really good spot. I think they're almost kind of where OKC was a couple of years ago. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to put up points. Like, this is going to be a really fun team. Uh, I, I think they're going to give up a ton of points as well. They're going to be involved in a lot of shootouts. They're going to play fast. Uh, really could be a fantasy goldmine. Let's go to the Boston side of things. Uh, it, it really feels like most of the teams involved in these series of deals come out feeling pretty good. And again, we'll get to Phoenix in a little bit. That's the one that I have some questions about. But I also think their their motivations to get off of DeAndre Ayton, I think, extend beyond basketball. And that's part of the <laughs> yeah. reason that they were willing to do that. <laughs> I mean, Boston now, you, know, you essentially swap out, what, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Grant Williams, and Marcus Smart for Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Drew Holiday. To me, that's a pretty good trade-off on paper. I, I do think some people are, are, you know, much like we've talked about with Milwaukee, I think they have some depth issues. All of a sudden, that's just going to happen when you kind of do a, a four-for-two 
type of swap. Mm-hmm. I, I think their their top six is right there with Milwaukee's top six. And, and to me, ultimately, the Eastern Conference is going to come down to like which team can get more production out of those seven, eight, nine guys, or you know, w- which team you know is able to kind of pluck somebody or trade for someone midseason to improve. Because I, I think they're close to dead even when you look at the top six. And I mean, Drew Holiday, if, if you're Milwaukee, you do the Dame deal no matter what. You do it a hundred times out of a hundred, but. If somebody had told you, hey, a consequence of this is Drew Holiday is going to go to Boston and join that team, I think Milwaukee would have at least thought twice about it. Crazy arms race in the Eastern Conference right now. It is wide open, and I think you brought up a great point. The amount of assets that were given by the that were sent out by the Boston Celtics to acquire Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Drew Holiday when it was all said and done, they took a sizable risk in the future of Kristaps Porzingis here. Like, this is all on KP, in my opinion, because he hasn't been able to stay healthy outside of last season, and he was an all-star last year. Should have been. Like, if the Wizards were better, he was probably in that conversation. And now that you lose Robert Williams as, like, your your anchor, your uh, rim protector, now you're all on Al Horford and keep KP, man. And I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little sketched out by that in the long-term uh, outlook here. And... Similar with the Bucks, like at least the Bucks haven't had as many injury concerns, but they're awfully thin too. So I'm curious to see how this depth kind of plays out. Um, you know, the Boston Celtics are certainly, I would say, the front runners right now, just in terms of having, you know, two all NBA players on their team. And then you add mm-hmm. uh, a very versatile offensive minded big like KP on the roster. And then you add Drew Holiday on paper. They look nasty. But I'm just wondering, what is that depth going to look like over an 82 game schedule? And, um, you know, I think from a fantasy perspective, this certainly is a downgrade for Drew Holiday a bit. Um, yep. You know, he's going to be competing for shots, you know, probably going to be playing more of a facilitator type of role when you have so many talented wings like t- like Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. Um, and then you also got to give KP some looks too, right? So mm-hmm. um, I'm expecting Drew scoring to go down. His assist should be fine. His defense is always going to be a highlight of his of his fantasy appeal. Um, but then Derek White also takes a hit here. Um, he was projected to be a starter, and he still is. But that yep. assist number is certainly going to go down now that Drew Holiday is in town. Mm-hmm. And I still love Derek White um, as a backup depth point guard. Um, he's one of the better defenders at the guard position in this league. Um, him and Shea Gilgis-Alexander are pretty neck and neck in terms of fantasy uh, stock mm-hmm. appeal. Um. But I don't know, man. I think I've kind of downgraded everyone that's not Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in this situation after after the trade. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think those two guys are, are bulletproof. I think they they run that team. It's been that way for five plus years. And I, I don't think even someone, you know, with the experience or the cachet of Holiday really changes that. But you're right. It's, to me, it's it's a slight downgrade for Holiday. It's it's a fairly major downgrade for Derek White. I mean, it's not I'm not saying I won't draft him, but I, I do think he's the one who, you know, his night to night role is impacted most by this. And I, I don't even know if it's a guarantee that he starts, you know, I think it makes the most sense. Like their best five is white holiday, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis, no question about that. But I think there's going to be some matchups where, you know, holiday and white are, are maybe a little bit too small, you know, for, for some bigger teams. So the, the, the other problem with that and Milwaukee is going to face this as well is like both of these teams, I feel like desperately need I don't know, like a Robert Covington type, right? Like they, they, they need that, that kind of rangy wing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I think Milwaukee, you know, losing Grayson Allen, not that he has the length, uh, to, to play that role. But, you know, both teams kind of sacrifice some of those step pieces, obviously Marcus Smart uh, being that guy for Boston. You know, if you're, if you're looking at Milwaukee, it's like you're asking a lot suddenly of Pat Connaughton or Jay Crowder, who is basically out of the rotation uh, in the playoffs. And I do think Milwaukee's counting uh, on Marion Bochamp 
to, to take a leap forward. Mm-hmm. I liked what I saw from him in a limited sample last year, but it's risky, man. It's risky. We've seen, you know, I think golden state, you know, they're a team that they've, they've been kind of counting on multiple young guys to, to contribute. And if those guys aren't ready and you don't have, you know, veterans behind them to, to fill those minutes, it could get ugly. That's exactly right. And, you know, I, I did see Bochamp in, in summer league and I did come away with that. He, he did seem to improve um, his game. Um, he obviously has that ranginess um, with his size, but I think Boston does have a concern there on the wing. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they're not, if they're looking for some veteran contrib- contributors um, as the season wears on, because they sure they certainly could use a, a three and D wing like a Covington. Um, and the Clippers are certainly in the market. You know, they've been trying to get rid of Marcus Morris for a while. Norm- Norman Powell is also on mm-hmm. um, the, the trade block. So, you know, there's there's definitely some talent, to, some there's definitely some players to be had. I just don't know yep. now how Boston's going to have the flexibility to do it because their depth has has definitely mm-hmm. taken a hit here. But um, both teams are still going to be, you know, top three in the East. And you know, now with Miami also taking a depth hit, it's going to be a really interesting Eastern Conference. And I was yep. telling a homie of mine the other day, I was like, as much as I'm like, you know, interested in the Dame going to team up with uh all, with you know Giannis and. Drew going to Boston. I'm more so interested in like these underrated teams, like the Pacers. What are they going to yeah. do now that Buddy Heald's wanting to be traded, or he wants a new contract, but they don't want to give it to him? So ultimately, he's probably going to be traded. Um, the Orlando Magic. I think that's another team that's going to take that oh, next yeah. step forward. Um, there's a lot of sleeper teams in the Eastern Conference. I think are going to be not only great for fantasy, but also very entertaining to watch. Sometimes better than some of these marquee teams like the Sixers. And I'm a Sixers guy, and I don't even want to watch the Sixers right now. I know, man. I, I feel bad for Tyrese Maxey. He's he's like I do too. pound for pound one of my favorite players in the league. Likewise, and I just, I mean, do, is it a two team race in the East if we if we take injuries out of it? Because obviously that's going to be a major factor here. But it's essentially the same risk for every team. I mean, you look at the title odds. You got Milwaukee at four to one. You got Boston at four to one. The next Eastern Conference team is Philly at eighteen to one. And they get the heat all the way down at 28 to one, which I, I do think is a decent value based on what yeah. we've seen from Miami. But but the odds sure. would imply that there are two teams that have separated themselves significantly from the rest of that conference. Yeah, I think the Knicks are probably getting a little bit of disrespect in there. Not saying that I think that they're going to vie for a championship here, but I think yeah. that their team proved that they are gritty. Um, they actually have their leader in Jalen Brunson and Joy kind of reeled it in. And he put up one of his best fantasy seasons um, in a long time. So, you know, I think the Knicks are definitely getting slept on here. But I, I do think it is, you know, the, the Boston Sussex and the Bucks, and then everybody else. Um, but that's not to say that they can't get upset. You know, the Miami Heat have surprisingly gotten to the, the NBA championship two times in the last four years. And, you know, they weren't working with much. So, I don't know, man. This is definitely... Uh, an interesting Eastern conference, but I would have more faith in the way the West is shaking mm-hmm. out right now, just because they're, I mean, the Lakers, the nuggets, the Suns. Now we didn't talk about that, that domino that fell as a part of that three team trade. But mm-hmm. um, from a fantasy perspective, I'm not super impressed. Although Yusuf Nurkic, I, I think could be a very serviceable big man in, in Phoenix, especially with their lack of depth. But I thought they did a great job just improving their roster, which is one of the questions that everyone had once they, you know, traded the farm for, you know, Bradley Beal and and trying to get uh, all those assets over there and the superstars to, to Phoenix. Yep. So I think they're going to be an interesting team. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about the Suns and the Bucks quick from a fantasy perspective. And you brought up Phoenix. Uh, I know you wrote up a piece on Yahoo. You could find that uh, on the Yahoo Fantasy app. You could find it on Yahoo Fantasy website as well. 
uh, kind of doing a, a stock report after this trade. Who's up? Who's down? Who's who's the no change? And I, I think each of these teams, you know, like the the top two guys, like to me, you know, trading out DeAndre Ayton for Yusuf Nurkic doesn't really affect KD, doesn't affect Devin Booker, probably doesn't even affect Bradley Beal. Uh, you, know, you could say the same thing in Milwaukee, like Dame, Giannis. I don't really value those guys significantly differently, but I, I know you think this is a positive for for Yusuf Nurkic getting out of Portland. Uh, you know, even if he's now very clearly the number four option, I I almost feel like for where he is in his career, like this is this this is probably a necessary step. Yeah, because I think he pretty much wore, got pretty tired out in, in Portland, right? Like he was often injured. Um, right. I feel like he just kind of fell out of favor at times for Drew Eubanks. Um, and ironically, Drew Eubanks yeah. is now in Phoenix. So that's, that's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, I don't think that. I do think it's going to be a good thing for Yusuf Nurkic because he's always been a pretty low usage guy. He's always been playing with Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum for most of his career. And he doesn't really need a lot of touches to be successful in fantasy. And he struggled with turnovers. But the one thing I do like about Nurkic is that he's an underrated passer. And that was one thing that DeAndre Ayton never did. And so, like, I think that that's actually an advantage for the Phoenix Suns that they can get a, a big man that can actually um, – do some playmaking, get others involved because he's going to be fourth wheel, fifth wheel of this offense. And, you know, he can get 10 rebounds easily. He can block shots and he can get steals. So if you're looking for a really cheap big, I mean, he's going outside the hundreds in drafts right now. And I think that's probably fair based off of his injury history and what people have seen as of late. But I think he's also getting slept on right now concerning how good the Phoenix Suns are going to be and how much he could just have sustained that value off limited usage. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call, quickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done. He's going almost 45 picks later in Yahoo drafts than he was last year. You know, last year was kind of 70, 75. This year right. it's 100 to 115. And I, I do think, I mean, I've been burned by Nurkic like five times in the last seven years. So like, I, I think there are a lot of people out there yeah. uh, like lis- listening to this and being like, hell no, I'm not drafting that guy. Like he's going to play 38 games and I'm going to be super frustrated. And then like, if you're not playing in a daily lineup league, uh, it, it's not worth the trouble. And I get that argument, right? I mean, you look the last three years, I mean, he's finished 200th, 112th, and 165th in terms of total value, but he, he's still there on a per game basis. Like he's been a top 100 player per game in five straight years. If you're talking eight category roto, the problem is he's played 52, 56, 37, and eight games in 2019, 20. I mean, that was a completely lost season, but he's also 29. Like I, 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 I kind of like this situation now as him as the the clear number four at best option. Like he's he's not going to be asked to overextend himself. I think if he needs a night off, he's going to get a night off. There's not going to be this extreme pressure on him. And this is not a team that has a ton of depth, but it's also not a team that's going to like rely heavily on Yusuf Nurkic uh, much in the way that the Blazers did. Like if they had any designs on making it past the first round, Nurkic had to be healthy. Nurkic had to be playing well. Like this is as much as the Suns are kind of a title or bus team. It, I don't really feel like there's any weight on Nurkic's shoulders uh, individually. No, no. And I'm expecting him to put together something like a light, Jonas Valachunas type of season with the Pelicans. Yeah. Like he's another guy that is kind of in a, in a lineup where he's got a lot of talent around him. He's not going to be asked to do as much as he's done in the past, like stand by the rim, protect as best you can stay out of foul trouble and get some boards and some blocks. And I think if that's what you're looking yeah. for, if you don't invest in a center early on, he's serviceable. And I'm not asking him to be a Walker Kessler <laughs> here, right? Like you just have to just get some rebounds, low end, double, double with a block and a half. That's enough for yep. fantasy managers, especially in category leagues. I mean, he had four straight years prior to last season where he was a one steal per game guy. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. he's been a four assists per game player as well. Yep. Um, so I, I think, I mean, some of these are, you know, kind of best case scenarios, but if he could just sure. give you 12, nine, two and a half assists, one steal, one block, I, I think you're, you're really happy with that, especially if that means he's playing 60 plus games. Let's hit the Milwaukee angle of this and then we'll move on from the trade talk. You know, the one player who you had with kind of a, a real material change to their value in light of the Lillard acquisition is Chris Middleton. And I think you're right. I think from a, a real life perspective, this is fantastic. Like Middleton, you know, he's missed time in like three of the last four years. You know, he's getting up there in age. Now he's probably overqualified to be a third option. I think things are going to come a lot easier to him. But, you know, you're bringing in one of the, the 10 highest usage players in the NBA. You already have one of them in Giannis. I think by default, even if Chris Middleton's more efficient, even if he's a better real life fit uh, for Milwaukee, I, I do think his, his fantasy value takes a hit here. The question is, you know, but to what degree, like how much later are you taking him now? Man, he's, um, I don't want to put him, I don't want to paint the picture like he's Tobias Harris because he's not, but I have a <laughs> feeling that he's going to see those, that downtick because you're getting yeah. such a high usage player on side of him. When James Harden was inserted into that situation, Tobias Harris's usage just went down and the points went down. The assists are going to go down. Um, and that's kind of what propped up Chris Middleton's fantasy value, right? Like he was a small forward that could get you 25 and five. What if that goes to about an 18, four and eh, he's still going to get the rebounds, but the, the yeah. assists, if that goes down to like three and a half to four, it doesn't make me as interested in, in scooping them up. And right now he's going around the same place as, you know, uh, man, players that I just would rather have, <laughs> like, if anything, 
I feel like Chris Middleton is a player that will not be on my fantasy team. He wasn't on my team last year mm-hmm. as he was coming back through injuries. Um, I just have concerns about what his role is really going to look like now that he's going to have to play third fiddle to Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, I think that there's a, there's a case to be made. He's going to be the fourth best fantasy player on this team. That's what Tobias Harris was in Philly. So I, I'm out on Chris Middleton and he could make, have the bounce back. Like I think, yeah. you know, what we've seen from him in the past, he's a top consistently a top 50 guy. Um, I just don't like the usage and potentially what Damian Lillard's arrival does for his, his assists and his scoring potential. It's all, it's going to be about cost for me when it comes to Middleton. Like I, I still like the player and I actually think, you know, like Nurkic, he's now in a, a very low pressure role. I think if, uh, like, you know, if he needs a night off, he's getting a night off. There's not going to be this pressure for him to come back. And uh, obviously Giannis is their number one scorer, but in some ways Middleton was like their number one, creator right and I, I think you know Giannis kind of scores in such a an effortless way uh where you're not necessarily asking him to you know bring the ball up initiate things set things up like and Drew Holiday wasn't really that player either so I think Chris Middleton now is going to settle into a really nice window here like these next two seasons well he's still you know at the tail end of his prime uh you know playing with the best supporting cast uh, in terms of Giannis and Lillard that he's had in his career I know on Yahoo right now he's going like in the early 80s yeah, I, I, I just I was literally just looking there. at it. Yeah, yeah. He's, that, uh, I almost thought that was a glitch, but that I mean, if he's yeah. going in the eighties, man, like I, I'm totally fine with that. And I, I think you're right. I think there's probably a you know ten to fifteen percent reduction, uh, you know, in his numbers across the board. But you know, for a guy that went healthy has been a top forty guy, I, I think you know he could still easily finish in the fifties or sixties. Yeah, it's interesting that he's this season he was ranked eighty, going around eighty two, but over the last seven days he's been going seventy five. Mm-hmm. Um. That's really interesting to me. So, you know, you're putting like a sixth, seventh round grade on this man. Um, it's tough, but I feel like I'd still pass there. Um, I don't know. Man. But that's probably just because I, I, so I would say I'll caveat this for category leagues, I would pass for points for roto leagues. I think he's actually because he usually has good peripherals. And if you're oh, yeah. concerned about the games played, if you're concerned about the downtick in production, Tobias Harris is still a fine roto player. Like he he does everything that you need him to do. Um, that's where I probably draw the line. Like I I would okay. target him for roto, not so much for category. But I think at cost in the eighties, I would I would be interested in that for a roto league. Okay, well we'll talk some James Harden in a moment. But we'll hit on a few other items before we get out of here. But first, we have a message from our good friends at Underdog. Underdog Fantasy is the number one platform for best ball leagues, including. Fantasy basketball underdogs featured best ball tournament for the upcoming NBA season has $500,000 in total prizes. If you haven't tried underdog yet, new users receive a first time deposit bonus up to a hundred bucks, as well as a free six month subscription to Rotowire, provided that you use our promo code RWNFL. That's RWNFL. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog app today and use that promo code RWNFL to claim your free Rotowire subscription as well as your deposit bonus. Again, RWNFL, underdogfantasy.com. Uh, we also ask that you please like, subscribe uh, to the brand new Rotowire basketball YouTube channel. We just launched that for the 2023 24 season. We hope that's where you're uh, potentially watching or listening to this podcast. But like, subscribe, check out all the content that we'll be bringing you five episodes per week. Uh, all right, Dan, let's get to the James Harden. Uh, situation, I guess, for lack of a better term. 
Uh, you know, I was listening to this podcast over the weekend. There was some speculation. Will he show up? Will he not show up? Will he be there and, and cause some sort of scene? Uh, well, we got our answer this morning. James Harden, no showing 76ers media day. We're, we're in somewhat unprecedented territory here. You know, we, we've seen other players uh, try to force their way out. Normally, you know, there's a resolution by now. Uh, I think there was kind of a uh, an artificial deadline and a reason that Portland wanted to move on from Damian Lillard before media day, before training camp, just kind of wash their hands of that situation. Philly will not have that luxury. Uh, where do you see this playing out? How are you handling it for fantasy right now when it comes to James Harden? Yeah, so James is falling down my rankings. Um, you know, obviously the the potential is there. He's a 20 and 10 guy. Only a few players did that last season. Um but it's clear that he's in a player in decline, right? His scoring has gone down each of the last five seasons and he's become a drama queen. Just, an, I don't know. just a guy that you can't rely on. And he continues to force his way out of every situation that he's in. If I'm being honest, I think he's just messing up his bag. Like he's trying to get a long-term deal, but yet he's going about it just a very frustratingly and, and questionable way. Daryl Moore may be a liar. That that could be true. However, mm-hmm. you opted into the contract, my man. Like, what, what you decided to bet on yourself and opt in and see how you could do after this season. And now that he hasn't fished his wish in going to the Clippers, if he holds out here, man, like, I don't see why a team would want to invest in him in a long-term deal. Like, I'm hard pressed, but like whatever offers yeah. came in for Daryl Morey and the Sixers wasn't enticing enough to pull the trigger on a trade. So if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm like, hey, this guy signed. Whether you want to play or not, the business keeps going, right? Like Joel Embiid has certainly been vocal in the media about his frustrations and going into another offseason with the point guard being disgruntled. And he just wants some consistency and consistency and stability. And that's not what James Harden provides. And yeah. Ultimately, I think if they can't find a suitor and specifically the Los Angeles Clippers, I think he's going to have to report at some at some point. And at this yeah. at this where it stands now, it's probably in his best interest long term to just report, play ball, show up relatively in shape, even though he doesn't really look like he is. He's just popping bottles in Houston as usual. Um, he just needs to report and play ball because that, that will be the best interest of his future. And. If I'm a fancy basketball player, man, I'm fate. Like, I don't, I don't think I want that headache yep. right now. It's similar to Ben Simmons in years past. Like I, I just don't want to deal with it. There's other players that you could take around mm-hmm. that range that will be way more valuable. That will actually play games and maybe not cheat the process, cheat right. the process. Like he's, he's seemingly done in the past. I, to me, this is eerily similar to the Jonathan Taylor situation where, you know, if you, if you were doing a fantasy football draft two weeks before NFL week one, like you're, you're just making a guess. Right. And yeah. at that point, you know, you didn't know if Jonathan Taylor was injured. You didn't know if he'd ever play for the Colts again. You know, now he's expected back at practice this week. So if you did take a chance on him, you know, in some drafts he was falling fourth, fifth, sixth round. Uh, it's looking like that might pay off. Like that's, that's almost the calculation you have to make with Harden. Like if, if I had a draft tonight and I still don't know when or if he's going to show up to training camp, I just, I don't want to deal with that. Now, look, if he right. falls to like pick 40 or 50, then yeah, I'll do that. But I, I'm not taking him at the end of the second round or the beginning of the third round. I think, there's enough talent in the league right now that you're not like, obviously James Harden has the potential to be a top 15 player this season. He's done it a number of times over the last decade, but there are so many good players in like the 20 to 35 range that I I don't feel like I'm sacrificing all that much value to get something that's so much more of a sure thing when it comes to just knowing they're going to be on the court. The question is, let's say Harden's back. Let's say he shows up tomorrow 
and he's you know kind of doing the usual Harden thing. He's you know being dismissive to the media. You know he's there, but he clearly doesn't want to be there. If all indications are that Harden is going to start the season on the Sixers roster and is going to play, do you actually trust him to play well, or do you, do you, do you kind of worry about the sabotage situation? Because as you said, it's in his best interest to play play well, maintain that he wants to be traded, and if he plays well enough, there's going to be more interest in him. Yeah, and I think that that's the that's the scenario I'm trying to work through here is if he shows up, what version of James are we going to get? Right. And I think because he's always been very financially motivated, I feel like he'll at least show up and play whether he's in the shape of his life. I don't know. He could come up a little chubby and, you know, then there's going to be injury concerns there, but all things considered, I think if he reports, I would move him back up to my, I'd move him back up into the, 20 range and i would probably feel a little bit more comfortable about drafting him because he still is a good fantasy player um his field goal percentage is, is continuing to drop but still shoots a high volume of free throws he can give you the threes and obviously the assists and uh and a steal but i'd feel way better about the situation as you said if he reported and then i think i, I have some confidence that he'll be financially motivated to actually do something um so that would that would definitely end my stress and my heartache but I do think this is probably shaping up, and I think it was a great comparison to Jonathan Taylor and his situation. Um, still unresolved. It, he's he's actually practicing now, but I don't know. He still doesn't like that franchise, so I, right. I'm just very curious of how this is actually all going to play out. Yeah, I I do think Jonathan Taylor still wants to be traded. Like he said that as recently as last week. So it, I, I, these are somewhat mirror images of each other. Obviously, the big difference is Jonathan Taylor is much younger, and I think. Even though teams don't want to pay running backs, you're you're a little more comfortable paying like a 24 year old who you know is not even on a second contract yet, as opposed to Harden, who I feel like someone someone's going to pay him. It always happens, right? Like teams just right. love handing out these bad contracts. I mean, the Clippers are kind of the perfect partner uh, in that they're they're just as desperate <laughs> yeah. as the Sixers are right now, but they just they don't have anything to send back. I I don't know. I I, I would say I, I will be surprised if James Harden plays out the entire season with the Sixers. I, I think his move is show up, play well you know, behave and, you know, hope that there's another team that will uh, see that, take him in and, and be willing to, to hand him that contract. But it's, it's ugly, man. And then this is part of the reason that it does feel like kind of a two and a half team race in the Eastern conference, yeah. because you, you just can't count on James Harden. Uh, I want to hit a couple more things and we'll get out of here. Uh, we, we saw Zion Williamson at Pelicans media day earlier today. Uh, <laughs> interesting quote from David Griffin, who I, I assume was trying to compliment Zion Williamson came <laughs> off as more of a backhanded compliment uh this, this was with regard to Zion like hiring a training coach or like a like a conditioning coach more or less right. uh David Griffin said quote yeah this was the first summer where we've seen Zion really take his profession seriously <laughs> so I, I think this is good news but yeah uh, at the same time what a quote yeah what a quote um and I was reading something similarly it sounds <laughs> like he's been in the facility the Pelicans facility all offseason taking his craft seriously and obviously there's the off the court um situations that he was having to deal with yeah. just seemed like a distraction to his that um, really blew over quickly by the way good for him <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> i mean for a while there it was like what, what a day these women were coming out of the woodwork yeah i was worried it was going to lead to something more um i'm glad <laughs> that it didn't and i don't know man can we trust zion williamson last year he was one of my most difficult players to rank and yep. that kind of came to fruition i had this one team where i had this this um very it was like a very big man centric team that was centered around field goal percentage rebounds, um, high performing assist guys for big men. And it just did not work out. So it kind of gave me 
um, the realization is like, oh man, is Zion a guy that I want to actually trust in? And I've ranked him in the top 60, but like this guy talent wise is easily top 30, right? Per game value. Um, So I think it's, it's, he carries a lot of risk coming into the season, but again, if he's getting this kind of a claim from his uh, president and GM, Mm-hmm. I got to feel a little bit confident about the situation, but I don't know, man, this, that guy is just a load, man. Um, <laughs> and I don't know that his body can hold up to the, yeah. to the demand of the NBA game. And he hasn't been able to stay healthy yet, but he's also, you know, only two seasons removed from being an all-star and leading the league in field goal percentage at the rim. Like he's a dynamic player. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, can he stay healthy? And um, I think he's, he's going to go in drafts around a little bit early than he should based off that. But, the talent is just too hard to ignore. Yeah. I probably won't be drafting him, but I understand the reasoning for it. I've said with Zion all along that like this whole thing just seemed too good to be true. It's like this guy who like you, you, you see the mixtapes from high school and you're like, I've never seen anything like this. This dude is what? Six, eight, six, nine, 290 pounds moving like that. It's like it, it the whole thing just never seemed like it was, it was right. really going to add up, but like, but then he goes to Duke and is as good as advertised. And I'm like, all right, I'm in, I'm in. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think the fact that he does seem to be taking this seriously, which is like crazy that we even have to like compliment an NBA player for practicing and staying in shape. But it's, I mean, it's the most complimentary thing that we've heard about him now in what will be his fourth NBA season. Like if, if he, if he can't stay healthy this year, then maybe that ship has sailed and it's just never going to work out for Zion. But he's also, like you said, he's been so good in the brief flashes that we've seen of him that it's, it's totally worth it. If you're the Pelicans to continue kind of seeing this through now I, I'm seeing on Yahoo, his ADP is 30 spots lower than last year. And if, if you go site to site, it's all over the place. Like, you know, at, at ESPN CBS, he's going closer to pick 40 in Yahoo leagues. He's going around pick 65. I I've kind of sworn off players like Zion. Like I don't draft Zion. I don't draft Kawhi. Yep. You know, Porzingis was in that, that zone for me for a long time. Kevin Love during his peak years. Mm-hmm. But I would think about it at 65. Like, I do feel like the, the fantasy industry is kind of collectively taking a step back. Like, the last few years, Zion was just as risky, but there's always somebody who would be willing to take him, like, 31st overall. Like, right. I'll never be that guy, but yeah. if he's on the board and I'm picking 59th overall, and, like, I, I don't know, I'm choosing between, like, Zion Williamson and Kyle Kuzma, like, I, I think at that point it's worth it for me. Yeah, I mean, just the fantasy the multi-categorial appeal of Zion makes me want to choose him over Kyle Kuzma types all day. Um, there's been points and flashes of when he's been extremely great as a ball distributor. Um, obviously the rebounds and he can get steals. Like he's just a, he's a unique NBA talent. And as much as I want to believe that he's turned the corner in terms of his health and he's going to have a, a full season ahead of him, this I don't know what it is in the the Pelicans, man. They're just riddled with injuries. Trey Murphy mm-hmm. this offseason, Brandon Ingram last year. I don't know, man. I'm I'm still a little bit squeamish on drafting Zion. And even if he goes, I, I think I could probably warm up to it if he was like round six. But that's not going to happen because it's right. it's Zion Williamson, man. Like yep. the guy's a human highlight reel. And I think off of the the everything outside of basketball says, Oh, I need to pick this player. He's super fun and exciting, but I I'm, I'm for the guys that I want to play 70 games and he's nowhere near on that list. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing to remember with Zion too, is he's, he's a probably a better real life player than a fantasy player, even if things break, right? Like like, 
it's not somebody that you pass on and you're like, oh my God, this guy's going to be the number three overall player. It's like his, his ceiling is still relatively low, especially right. in Roto Leagues because of that, that free throw percentage. Like, I don't he think doesn't that's shoot threes, magically. So, yeah. yeah, right. He doesn't shoot threes. And I mean, even the defensive numbers have not been no. nearly what we thought they would be. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that was part of the reason that he was so appealing, uh, both as a prospect and in fantasy coming out of Duke, because he was, right. you know, he was putting up like two steals a game. He's blocking shots. Mm-hmm. Like, that part of his game hasn't been there. I mean, if that gets there, then then he's in that conversation. But, you know, I, I think, you know, you look back and say, okay, worst case scenario, I passed on a guy. He stayed healthier than I thought, and he finished, like, 35th. You know, it, you're not missing out necessarily on, like, the number one overall player. I feel the same way about John Morant. Like, I, I'm not drafting him. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking somebody who, at best, is going to play 57 games and is probably going to miss 10 to 15 games due to injury or rest anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I can't, I can't sign up for that when you're, you're just lopping off 30% of the season off the top. Yeah. I have him ranked in the nineties and people probably think I'm crazy. Um, yeah. but he's missing 25 games. Like that's huge yeah. in fantasy basketball. And even if he plays, he wasn't that great of a fantasy player. He, he's had mm-hmm. one good season in fantasy basketball and, you know, between his turnovers and the lack of threes and his free throw percentage, like. I'd much rather target other players like it's just not worth the headache of it. And yeah, he's an out outstanding athlete and one of the premier players of this league, definitely a face of the league before all the off season, the off the court stuff. Um, but it's not worth it from a nine category perspective, especially not in Roto um, yeah. gives you points, gives you assists and he'll have some triple doubles here and there. But outside of that, man, I'd, I'd be targeting other, I'd rather have Marcus smart to be honest with you. Like, and yeah. <laughs> that's not no, saying real, a huge, real. there's, there's saying a, a lot, but like, at least he's playing you 25 games. Like he's going to be huge in the beginning of the season. And yeah, you know, integrating back in when someone's got that rhythm and that chemistry is he's going to build that with Desmond Bain. I think there is going to be some kind of a ramp up period, even though he's able to practice with the team. Um, there's more guards now and Desmond Bain has taken that next step forward and we'll see Memphis is going to be healthier now. So I don't know. I think it's going to be some kind of an integration period and you're right. And James, John Morant's missed games too with injuries. So there's just too many red flags that are pointing in that direction for me to be like, Oh yeah, let me get excited for him um, coming into the season. I mean, the fact remains that there's not a single player in the NBA who has a bigger gap between real life impact, real life reputation and fantasy value than John Morant. You know, I mean, there's, (laughs) there's a bunch of things you could point out. Like, if sure. you're looking for points, rebounds, assists, that's great. You know, he's, he's a one steal game guy. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But he hits one and a half threes per game. Ten years ago, that would have been great. That's that's not good for a starting point guard. No. Uh, you know, a, a player of his caliber in the NBA. He's shot 74% for the free throw line last year. He's, you know, three and a half turnovers. He doesn't even play that many minutes, relatively speaking. You know, Memphis <laughs> yeah. has been really, really controlled about how they've used him the last few years. So, love the player. I mean, there are very few guys who are more fun to watch than Java Ramp, but uh, just not somebody I would be paying up for in fantasy, especially when he's going to miss 25 games. All yep. right, last thing, uh, and then we'll get you out of here, Dan. I know you put up a, a piece this afternoon. I got the push alert on my phone on hey. the Yahoo app. Four breakout guards you are targeting this season, and this gives us a great excuse to talk about Cade Cunningham. Yeah, man, I love Cade Cunningham, and he was one of my breakouts last year, and unfortunately that only lasted 12 games because of injuries. But – I'm back on the motorcade yet again, and mainly because what did Detroit do? Everything. They did everything in the offseason. They were one of the worst teams defensively, and they went out and drafted a Sir, a Sir Thompson. And then they bring in a defensive-minded head coach like Monty Williams, a team, that, a guy that 
turn around a Phoenix Suns franchise from one of the worst defensive teams to one of the best in a matter of three years. And I think the other thing about K that I'm really excited about is that now he actually has a rim runner that's going to get consistent minutes, and that's Jalen Duran. If you watch the USA Select team in the offseason, um, their chemistry was undeniable. And I think with every point guard, there has to be that lob threat. And I think he's found it. His ability to utilize his size, get to his spots, be a facilitator, but then also control the pace of the game. He's above his year, he's well above his years. And I think that this is going to be a season where we'll see him go, you know, over 20 points per game, you know, probably in that 22, 23 range. And he could potentially average seven rebounds, seven assists. And his rookie season, he was one of only six players in NBA history to average 17 points with five rebounds and five assists and one steal. The underrated aspect of his game is that he plays defense. And if he can just improve that field goal percentage and maybe take down that turnover rate a little bit. Man, you're you're looking at a potentially a top. He could be a top fifteen player this year oh, yeah. that you're getting in the second, third round, and uh, probably the third round. I think because he's he's. I think people are a little bit off of him because mm-hmm. of the injury last year. But um, in the third round, man, I think that that's that's potentially the the under one of the more undervalued mm-hmm. players right now that could certainly be a, a first rounder. There are very, very few dudes that could play 12 games and suffer what seems like a pretty serious injury. And then the year after that, I'm somehow higher on them than I was the year before. But that that's how I feel about Kate. Like you're, you're getting him basically a round later than he was going last year. And I, yep. you know, I, maybe I should be a little more cautious and say, you know, this, this injury that cost him 70 games last year is, is something that I should have some red flags about. But I, I, I just kind of view that as like, you know, it's, it's, he's young enough in his career. You know, we're not talking about like a seven foot two big man with a foot issue. Like it kind of just seems like a freak injury to me. And I, I I'm putting my eggs in the basket that he's going to end up being okay. And, you know, to me, we're going to look back at five years and think it was absolutely insane that Kate Cunningham was ever coming off the board at like pick 42 in fantasy drafts, because you know his average ADP right now in Yahoo is closer to like 39, 40. Uh, whereas last year he was going around pick 30. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I think they're, there aren't that many players in that range of the draft when you start saying like this guy could could legitimately be a top 10 guy if things break right. And I I, th- I think he's in that category. I think if he plays, even if he plays 65 games, uh, you know, based on what we saw from him last year, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, you you want to see the three point shooting increase. You know, I, I think his reputation exceeds the numbers so far on that. But he also got off to that terrible start his rookie year. And then the second half of the season shot it pretty well. But I mean, the fact remains, he's basically a 30 percent shooter in the NBA. I I still think he's a lot better than that. Yeah. I think you can certainly make strides there. And um, all off season, I've been listening to plenty of podcasts regarding his development and other NBA players have been speaking very highly of just his maturation and his growth over the, um, over the point of this last season and just the Mm -hmm. summer. Um, And I, I think that that speaks volumes because you know, when you're looking for fantasy basketball players that are really going to take your team to the next level, this is when you're taking these high upside young guys that have something to prove. Um, and the fact that he sat out a year and Detroit was so bad, like this team can only go up right now. And I'm assuming all things are good. He's got a clean bill of health. And if that's the case, man, it's it's go time. And this kid's going to really I, I put out the bold prediction that he's going to be an all star this year. I still feel that way because I, I feel like there's an opportunity yeah. with the team that they've put around him in the coaching that he's going to go to that next upper echelon of, of stardom in this league and his third year breakout. And we know how those fancy basketball players uh, tend to the ones that the, the great ones tend to break out in year three. So I think that this is, this is Kate's time. Yeah. I'm with you on the all-star thing. I, I don't know if you could bet that somewhere. I'll, I'll have to look into it, but 
I, I, I think this is a year for him. I, I think if he, like I said, if the games played are there, like that's like his, his quality of play is not my concern. It's just how many games yeah. is he going to play? And then, you know, is Detroit able to at least stay out of the basement in the Eastern conference? Because it, be, it becomes tough to make the all-star team. If you're, you know, on like a 21 win pace. All right. One more guy. And then, then we'll, we'll get out of here, Dan. Uh, you can check out the full piece again on Yahoo sports. You, you highlight Kate Cunningham, Jordan Poole, Jalen green, uh, and Devin Vassell, who you know, got $150 million extension while we were recording here in the last hour. But I want to back up and talk about Poole, uh, and we'll finish up here. ADP, 50.4, uh, just a, a really fascinating situation, right? A guy who's had some, some very high highs, some very low lows, and then you know, over the course of all this goes from maybe the most stable situation in the league to Golden State to being thrown into this rebuilding team in a, in a year where we don't have that many clear rebuilding teams. And I mean, this to me is setting up for like an all-time good stats, bad team type of season for Jordan Poole. Yeah, man. Um, if anyone benefited the most in the offseason, it was probably Jordan Poole. And he already got paid. And he was always wanting to have a bigger role in an offense. Well, guess what, Jordan? Here's the keys to the Washington Wizards. Um, this hoopty consists of Kyle Kuzma and pretty much no one else. So He's going to have that usage over 30%. He's going to see minutes over 34. Um, there's potential that he could be a top 10 scorer this season just because he's going to have all of the volume and opportunity to showcase that. And sure, he's erratic. You know, he'll get these boon and turnovers as well as um, shooting a, a, a inconsistent from the field. But I can't not be excited about Jordan Poole um, being the focal point of an offense and um, he's got the handles. He can have some facilitation here. I, I think he's going to average more than five assists. The rebounds probably around four, um, but he's going to have some monstrous games where he's going to drop 40 um, with it being in such a bad team um, with nothing to play for. And he's already gotten paid and he's incentivized. Like, I think he's going to be great this season. Um, it's just hoping that we can get that field goal percentage and field goal percentage up and the turnovers down. And you could be looking at a top 30 player potentially. Um Otherwise, I think his ADP is actually pretty pretty accurate to where I expect him to finish um, around that top 50 this season. Yeah, it's going to be tough because I think depending on how your league operates scoring-wise, category-wise, uh, or if it's a points league, um, and then you know what kind of team you're trying to build, especially if you're in Roto, like, I, I think he could be really damaging in some ways because I, I think there's a world in which he puts up 27 a game on like 40.8% shooting, which uh, you know obviously is going to kill your field goal percentage. He's going to take a ton of shots. Um, but you know, if you're in a league where you're, you know, you're not so worried about field goal percentage, you just want the raw scoring. Uh, I mean, I think he's a slightly better passer than given credit for as well. Uh, you, know, you, you did a good job highlighting in the piece. Like we had a pretty long run last season when Stephen Curry was out of the lineup for the warriors and he was, you know, 26, five, three rebounds, three threes, uh, per night. I, I think that's a, a pretty good baseline for what we could see in Washington. I, I mean, like you said, the field goal percentage is the big question. Turnovers are the other big question. I do kind of like some of the pieces around him. Like it's going to be a downgrade, like being coached by Steve Kerr, not having Draymond Curry clay uh, to kind of insulate you in that lineup. Like there's going to be an adjustment here. And there's a world in which the wizards are like two and 18 to begin the season, but you got shooting in Corey Kispert and Kyle Kuzma. You have a, another creator, a, a steady, steady point guard in Tyus Jones. I, Delon Wright is always somebody that I've liked as well. Uh, so I, you know, this is going to be a bad team there. I don't think they really want to win that many games this year, but we're also not looking at like last year's Rockets or like the 2015 76ers. Like I, I think there's enough talent around him that, you know, it, this team is not just going to completely crater. Yeah. I think that you brought up a great point. And I think that they actually married him with very good 
high IQ point guards. So Tyus Jones, obviously one of the best assist to turnover ratio guys in league history. And, you know, he's very, he's very good at putting his players or putting others teammates in positions to win. And I think the less we can get of Jordan Poole being playing hero ball, he's going to have those moments. But Mm -hmm. I think that he has a a guy like Tyus Jones can help him reel it in as well as DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright is always one of those per game, per game beasts that you'll pick up on waivers. That's like, wow, this guy's gave me five steals this week, man. Um, Or five steals in a game. Um, So I think there's actually some pieces around the Washington Wizards. Like we joke about how bad they're going to be, but um, they do at least have some formidable pieces Mm -hmm. that I think will fit well with Jordan Poole's skill set. He's not just going to be running completely rogue out there. So I'm curious to see how Wes Unsell kind of brings out Wes Unsell Jr. Bring this rotation. Um, I think he's going to play heavy minutes and the usage, the opportunity. That's all I'm looking for, for Jordan Poole. I think he could be in line to be one of the better guards. So you're going to have to spend up for it, but I think it'll be worth it. And as you mentioned, you know, his time uh, with Steph Curry out of the lineup last year, I mean, guys is is really hitting his stride in terms of where he's at in his career, his confidence level. Um, I think this guy's ready to break out for sure. And um, what better way to do that? I just hope that the city of DC doesn't get a hold of him too much. He could definitely have a lot of fun out there. And uh, I'm just hoping that he stays committed. Like not like John wall, because John wall, he was good. And then he started getting in the club. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, we can't rely on John. I I think pool is going to be great. Yeah, we, we got to start playing in a league that like gives you points for club visits or like money spent at a strip club. Like there's, there's got to be like another like you're playing in a ten category league. You got to roster somebody who's notorious for going to a strip club because, yeah, it's just not something I want to worry about. I, I want points. No, if that no, I don't need you out in the club party and then you take a game off or you're having these Allen Iverson oh, Denver yeah. type games where I'm just like I don't know what I'm gonna get out of you from a, a nightly basis, but. um yeah. I know he seems like he's locked in, man. I, I know he wasn't very excited at the presser, but right. I think he's going to be, be excited to have the the whole the the keys yep. to the offense here. Uh, again, check out Dan's piece on Yahoo. There's some write ups on on both of the guys we talked about, plus Jalen Green uh, and Devin Vassell as well. Uh, Dan, appreciate you hopping on, man. But we'll wrap this thing up. We'll have you on hopefully throughout the season. Uh, kind of do some home and homes. I'll be doing a mock draft with you tomorrow night. Very much looking forward to that. And we'll get you. We'll get you in the mix on Sirius XM too. We finally got the green light to start talking some NBA. They're very, uh, very NFL heavy this time of year, as you'd imagine. But we are just over three weeks out from opening night in the NBA. So appreciate you stopping by, man. And if you got anything you want to plug, let the listeners know. Hey, no doubt, man. I appreciate you having me on. And whatever I can do to help you not talk about Taylor Swift on Sirius XM, I will happily, happily join you. <laughs> um, but yeah, check out my stuff on on yahoo and you know i'll be coming out with articles throughout the training camp and as we approach the nba season which is only three weeks away uh check out my podcast with roto world um as well as yeah got some fun stuff coming out so continue to tap in and it's gonna be a season man so i'm really excited for it